Hello lads, sorry about that. That's okay. Right, All under control. It's the perils of, um, yeah, trying to organise everything at once when you've got a baby, putting them to bed, doing a bath, and then accidents galore. <laughs> yeah. It's episode two, season one of the Future Sounds FM podcast, and I'm pleased to say we made it back for another instalment. Just want to thank everyone up front for all the positive feedback we got from the first episode, and in particular, the interview that Tom did with Carl from Runners Club. Obviously, it means a lot to know that people are enjoying it so far, but feel free to leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform. Not only is that going to boost our egos, it's going to help us to reach more listeners. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined once again by Tom and Martin, a.k.a. Patrick Fakeman, and we've got a stacked episode in store for you again. How are you doing, guys? Have you got anything new to report? Um, uh, enjoying a delicious kombucha. I saw you had a kombucha. I I, I don't have a kombucha, um, but I, what I will report is I'm super tired. I drove back from your from your homestead this weekend, Vince, today, so I'm... Uh, a bit tired, but we're, we're filming this in the evenings. So we've got a nice little atmosphere, a nice little casual chat coming. Little ambiance. I've got, um, I'm drinking for listeners who care about such things. I'm drinking some orange squash, but I have got a couple of beers downstairs for, for later. So, um, yeah, it was good to see you this weekend. You haven't made it up this way to Wales since the summer. So it was good to catch up um, and it's you see you can meet the baby and that. It's always nice to dodge the rain. Yeah, you got quite lucky. To be fair. It's been quite. It's not been the best of weather lately in in Wales, but um, yeah, you you saw some pretty um, nice places as well. Went for stay? some went for some strolling in the countryside. Stayed at the Vale something. Vale Resort, I think. Vale Resort, very nice place. Yeah, did a bit of a strolling around Barry, of course, which is always uh, which is always a nice and welcoming environment. Yes, yeah. good times. It was good times. But yeah, other than that, very well. How about you, Tom? Yeah, girl, I've got exciting news on the horizon. I'm I'm joining the Vaporwave Dad Club. Yeah, summer twenty summer twenty twenty two. Well, congratulations. I mean, obviously, we've already said that, but it's it's nice to have you um, break the news on the yeah, air, as it were. Yeah, that's public now. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I if you I don't know if you can hear from my voice, it's quite creaky uh, because we've had a few nights in a row where Poppy's not slept as well. And uh, yeah, when they get ill, you know, it just disrupts the whole night for sleep and stuff. But yeah, no, I'm all good. But it was quite nice because I've never seen you in dad mode before. And this weekend I saw you in dad mode. Usually I just see you in bars. Falling through a merch table or something. Yeah, something like that. Or just, you know, kind of strolling in the wrong direction on the way home. But it was nice to see you kind of, you know, being responsible. Yeah, did I pull that off? Did I? I gave the impression at least. You did. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and obviously Ollie was there, Jay's uh, uh, little boy. So yeah. that was, it was cool. Yeah, the Vapor family. We'll have to get you down as well next time, Tom. Maybe we can do one in person. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, I was going to say you're like this time. I walk. I popped into the midnight store yesterday. Oh, lovely stuff! Is that where you got your orange juice? It is. Yeah, and um, obviously other things as well because there's everything and more in the midnight store. I get that in there. <laughs> it's weird how, um, yeah, it's still the same guy running the shop. I've been thinking for, for ages, we've got to try and get people, someone to put it on TripAdvisor. Like for people who come to Wales, they can make the Vaporwave pilgrimage to the midnight store. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. 
Does he know the extent to which he has been the inspiration behind? Did, did we? Because um, we'd you, always you told him. Well, I think we explained it to him, and he was quite perplexed. I think it's always like a bit of a mistake. So on the back cover of Midnight Store, um, there's this sort of cloud ceiling motif, which is based on a, a different shop, one in North London. And um, the the owners of that shop saw me taking loads of pictures of their ceiling, and um, they got quite sort of shirty with me about what I was doing. And um, I was like, oh, you know, we're musicians, you know, we're, we're, we're making a little sort of art project. And I think the, the guy heard musician and kind of thought I was sort of Ed Sheeran or Adele well, level. And probably thought, how can he how can he leverage this financially yeah. to his benefit? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's basically what happened. When I when I showed, um, I think I might have showed him just a picture of the art on my phone for the Midnight Store now. And um, I think immediately his, his brain started ticking because they their prices are ridiculous. Like if you go on the Google reviews, I don't want to encourage people to leave negative reviews. That's not my style. But if you go on the reviews for the Midnight Store, there's some appalling stuff. Like they say they're open till midnight. They're never open till midnight. Like constantly it'd be like back in five and he's back in 45 and the same people yeah. are still queuing outside, like waiting for their parcel because whoever it was made the decision to let them be like a pickup point for, for mail. It was an awful decision. But um, yeah, their prices are proper through the roof. Like they, they added a COVID surcharge on beers from the start. So it was like a quid a can became £1.50. <laughs> Lots of um, out-of-date produce as well. Yeah. The most recent review though, which was two months ago, someone's very happy with their vape, which is ironic, you know, ultimately <laughs> given the uh, given what we're discussing. But he seems very happy with his £10 Wicked deal. Well, you know, this is what we want to see. We want some positive reviews. Maybe we will find someone comes on holiday, ends up in Cardiff. And if they do, just look up the Midnight Store. It is a real place. Yeah. And according to this, you can get yourself a nice pasty as well. Probably out of date. Probably out of date. <laughs> I'd stay clear. Um, have you guys been listening to any new music at all in the last couple of weeks? I managed to stumble across a conversation, a bit of kerfuffle, should we say, on Twitter uh, about Barber Beats. Because to be honest with you, outside of knowing Haircuts for Men's music quite well, I've never really uh, ventured too deep into that kind of subgenre. But I saw a bit of kerfuffle being kicked up about how much transformation's been done with the samples with some of the artists and stuff. And I don't know anything about it, so I'm not venturing an opinion on that. But I thought I'd dig out, well, a latest release. And Macro Blank is someone that people tend to talk about quite a lot. And I listened to this track, Nebula, from an EP that came out on the weekend, and that's damn good. I'd recommend, I'm sure most of you have listened to it already, but it's awesome. So that's my take home for the week.
I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't actually, with dry, driving around and traveling and such and work being what it is, not listened to anything particularly new, but I think one that has popped up on the, on the drive home, which pops up quite a lot anyway, um, and is a bit of a, a link back to our, our last episode, is the, the track You by Blood Wave with, with Runners Club 95, which is just smooth, soft, good driving music. Um, so I think I played it a couple of times on the, on the way back. So that's probably my pick for this week. you tom discovered anything new um yeah i've been catching up on uh, releases by active presence um this is possibly the worst music to drive to so uh he's he put out an ep at the tail end of last year called whole new area and the track that i particularly like is called let's get lost tonight so he put out two records on on business casual um which is also where melanade released their music originally this yeah this is a self-released ep and uh he does some really really messed up things with time like it sounds like he's you know manually playing a record player without with no electricity like he's just dragging the the record along with his finger um it's uh pretty out there um but i think it's it's some of the most inventive stuff i've heard in like vaporwave or adjacent vaporwave seen in a long time so yeah big up active presence that's high praise. Um, why is it so? Uh, is it too um, sketchy to drive to? Is that what it is? It's distracting. It's that kind of. Well, I think so. It's kind of plunderphonic stuff. But you know, if you think back to sort of Chuck Person, Echo Jams, you know, the the kind of stuff that he's putting in the washing machine is like very smooth music. You know, eighties kind of uh, power ballad, slow jams. This active presence, you know, clearly has an interest in you know rave stuff and kind of quite out there um, instrumental hip hop. So, you know, it's got these blissed out textures, um, but you know, the, he's fed quite rhythmic music into, the, into that blender and then he's kind of um, broken it even further. So yeah, definitely wouldn't drive to it, but um, it's an amazing headphone listener. <laughs> Thank you. 
Another shout out, actually. I'm going to give a shout out to some of our competition, as it were. Um, they've been around a bit longer than us, for sure. But do any of you guys um, follow or watch the Hot Takes uh, Vaporwave talk show? Yeah, I've seen it a couple yeah. of times, or heard it a couple of times, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, I've been meaning to get around to watch the Golden Limb Room interview for a while, and I caught up with that the other day. And yeah, is it Young Shiro and Skeleton Lipstick that host it? That's right. Yeah. And I, I find Golden Living Room a fascinating producer. Obviously, he's one of the OGs, and we've been talking to him for the film. I'm looking forward to getting out there eventually and interviewing him. Um, obviously, also, uh, we, we did announce last week the test pressing giveaway. We're going to be releasing Welcome Home. But aside from that, it's definitely worth checking out that episode in particular because he's someone who's got a really interesting way of coming at uh, production you know there's a lot of uh, live performance he's quite classically trained in fact i think like you tom he might actually be a music teacher yeah he is i i donated some money to help him buy a classical guitar for his classroom oh really that's yeah, amazing. using um using a, a platform called donors choose i think so um i felt obliged <laughs> to to donate some money nice nice um was he successful did he get the credit yeah, i think off? so i mean you know, without wanting to get too political, I think it's quite mainstream for educators in America to have to fund their own classroom supplies, mm. um, which um, is obviously a terrible state of affairs when, you know, teachers are underpaid anyway. But um, yeah. yeah, I was happy to dip into my pocket and um, get a guitar for his classroom. Well, that's amazing. But yeah, like I said... I didn't, I didn't buy it myself. I think I gave, you know, 20, 30 credits. <laughs> not picking myself up too much. Yeah, you should have left that there. People might have thought that you'd stepped in and saved the day on your own, but... Oh yeah, but they'll be asking me for <laughs> other you know, days. You'd, you'd be, that's what's going to happen now. Yeah, it'd be like... Oh, advertising with my band name, isn't it? It's Donor Lens Business. They think I'm a sort of um, philanthropic organisation. Yeah, yeah. It's like that thing when people win the lottery. And uh, suddenly you get bombarded with... Um, I'll keep that yeah. quiet, definitely. Yeah, I wouldn't be telling no one. I've always said I wouldn't tell a soul. I wouldn't tell a soul until I just rolled up in a Ferrari or something. Just Would you be back for episode three of this? Would I, hell? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd pop back in. I just you know, Occasionally. I've got, to, got, got, got to keep in touch with the normal folk, haven't I? And we're joined on the line by Martin, who's currently in the Seychelles. <laughs> exactly. The, the, the reception will be awful, but I'll be there. You'll be there in spirit. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, well, yeah, what have we got this week then? Uh, Martin, do you want to kick off on this one? Because obviously you um, led the way. I was late for that as well. So. You were late for that as well, but that's okay. okay. Yeah, we sat down with you and it was last week now and chatted all things about his uh, his inspirations and what got him into making music, um, where he'd uh, come from to, to where he is now. But of course, a bit about uh, Lionel release that he had with you guys uh, last year. Um, as well as a bit about the um, some of the live events that he's had a bit of a hand in in organising pre-COVID, but of course doing his part to get uh, Vaporwave uh, live and Future Funk out there um, out there in the other live scene in in the UK. So good interview. Um, it was really interesting. He was surrounded by boxes, of course, because uh, he's just moving house. But at the same time, he was. Um, uh, it was a uh, yeah, it's good fun to talk to him. Can I insert a spoiler alert here? Because um, for people, we did have a few questions from Club Flamingo members, quite good questions on a range of topics, some more serious than others. We had one from Glenn who asked about whether well, his favourite type of cheese and spoiler alert, if you're triggered by these things, um, he's not a fan of cheese or melons. Am I giving yeah. too much away? Very strange, the man that yeah. he does like melons. But yeah, please, if you are um, some kind of cheese lover, please don't write in and complain. Um 
Sorry, it's just we just asked the questions. We did, yeah. yeah. There we are. The recording. All right, we'll just get cracking on then. So, um, Ewan, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along. Thanks. Good to be here. Well, I say coming along. It looks like you're in a lounge. Oh, where I am right now? Yeah. Oh, um, well, funny thing, I'm actually moving house next week. <laughs> right. Um, so there's a couple of things packed up uh, in boxes. And you're in, box. and yeah. you're in Scotland, is that right? Uh, no, so I'm down in, down in uh, Nottingham at the moment, but okay. I'm moving back to Scotland. Whereabouts uh, in Scotland are you going to? Um, I'm staying with my parents in Stirling for a bit because um, I'm looking at purchasing a house mm. in the near future. But that is all tricky and requires logistics. It but, does yeah. indeed. <laughs> I, I, as a kid, I, I've got a tenuous link to Scotland. As a kid, I'm I'm very much from like the south of mm-hmm. south of England. But as a kid, I spent a bit of time on the Isle of Bute for a little while. Right. Um, which, as a ten and eleven year old, there wasn't a huge amount going on. So I think indeed, I ended up, yes. yeah, <laughs> just sort of sitting around. I think I put on lo- loads of weight and then and then came home. Anyway, mm. we have completely veered off. So thanks for coming on. Of course, this is the Future Sounds FM uh, podcast. Uh, so, essentially, being a, a bit of a mixture of a uh, bit of a mixture of individuals that might do some presenting on it, but the, the the key part to it is that we're kind of interviewing people that number one, not only are doing the Future Sounds event uh, this coming March, but anybody that's really involved in uh, vaporwave and uh, future yeah. funk and a bit of synthwave as well. Um, what I wanted to start off with asking, really, which is the key one for me, was I was kind of keen to get a little bit of a history about how Melanade came obviously your project Melanade, how it came mm-hmm. to being number one, how it came to, in, into existence and how you've kind of found yourself where you are now. Yeah. So it started, um, cause I'm looking at the dates, all of a sudden it's 2022, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, started roughly seven years ago now, which is pretty crazy. But, um, I just had a desire when I was younger to make music. So I started, you know, got FL studio and just started messing around um i had always been a fan of daft punk french house house in general so started down that route um i met uh mayor mayor no tilled if you've Mm. heard of him around uh Mm. online and we started with some other people uh cerise records which was like a little internet thing where we just kind of made some french house put it out there that kind of thing um started to get a little bit of traction um I discovered the whole Vaporwave Future Funk thing around kind of 2014, 15. Very much liked it. Mm. Um, so taking the kind of disco house and house more towards that route, um, I then did uh, my self-titled Melanade album in 2018, which was, it got a big response. Lots of, it was a success, inverted commas, for me at least. Um and then, yeah, just been going from there. I did a, met loads of great people, organized uh, the UK live show in 2019, the Strawberry Station. That was amazing. There's definitely some questions I know that um, indeed, yeah. Enzo, when he decides to join us, has got, um, he, mm-hmm. he was going to discuss about that. So, yeah, that sounds exciting. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, I really splash my second album in 2020 now, which is. <laughs> suddenly 2022 Uh-oh. as i said uh and then and then we got the the vinyl which was in december which sold out in like a couple of dates which was yeah. also insane so it's amazing 
that's the timeline. How did you find? Because I, so I I didn't find vaporwave until quite later on after that, and I mm. guess it, it's a bit like it, it's other kind of sort of. Um, I don't want to say sister genres, but like the synthwave scene and vaporwave, they, they've kind of exploded a bit to the point where some people think they're oversaturated and such. But how how were how were like the vaporwave and future funk scenes back in? You said 2014. Yeah, I mean back then it was. I found it as many others did through artsy music, and just kind of the way it had spread into internet and anime and music culture a little bit. Because artsy music was the focal point for a lot of people finding it on YouTube recommendations. Mm. But really, it, w- it was just artsy music. It was Future Society Collective. It was, a, a you know, much smaller than it is now. Just kind of Macross, St. Pepsi, you know, Phantom's Revenge, um, who's been doing great stuff recently. But it, it was it was much smaller, and there was a much smaller pocket of, quote, big artists. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I found it through Artsy and then just got on SoundCloud and started putting stuff in there. How, how, how do you found the um, the nature of it now? Because as I say, there's, there's lots more of it out there. Um, people mm-hmm. are obviously trying their hand to it. There's still enough sampling to be able to kind of do in, in the yeah. world. But there does come a point sometimes where, I don't know whether it's saturation, because I've always, I'm, I'm still very much exploring Future Funk and, and Vaporwave to, to, to the point where I'm more than satisfied with with kind of what I find, but there's still that element of, you know, still having to dig through. Mm-hmm. Has it, how, how for you has it changed as an artist in that scene? Um, well, talking about saturation, I don't think it's oversaturated, but you could say it is saturated in some mm. regards, um, especially with Future Funk, with people starting out, myself, and my friends included, uh, when you start out learning sampling or whatever, you tend to be quite lazy through no fault of your own. Um, but once you develop the skill to sample more with more integrity and more skillfully mm. and adding your own spin on things, then the quality goes up. I think there's been an influx of new producers, which is good. Um, but along with that comes the saturation of kind of, I'm hesitant to say lazy, but quite kind of lazy, low effort stuff from the new producers. Again, through no fault of their own, they're just learning. Yeah. Um, but if you set the bar for quality high enough, you can really find some good stuff. And there's been some really good albums in the past two, three years. So where 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 are you going now to kind of sort of, you've obviously mentioned sort of you, you, YouTube and such before. Where where are you going now to discover new stuff? Is it because often a lot of people I imagine get sent bits and pieces as well. But. Yeah, I mean the big thing over the past year or so has been the the official playlists Spotify put up. So there's mm. now official editorial playlists for both Vaporwave and Future Funk. Um, so I'm hoping a lot of people find new stuff through that. I kind of listen to the. I keep up to date on who's on the on the playlist. Um, it's mostly the big names. A lot of people I know are on there. Um, usually, it's through word of mouth or SoundCloud and Bandcamp that I find uh, new stuff. Um, I've been impressed by uh, Classic Files, Azaria, uh, Hopeless Romantic was an album last year that I very much liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kiss Kiss Feel Good by Flammy I'm just throwing out recommendations for people uh, were, were albums which I was super impressed with so I, I think as long as you kind of um, can search enough and search for high enough quality you'll 
you're going to find it. Sometimes. I think that's part of the fun of it as well, though, isn't it? Is that kind of deep diving into rabbit holes of stuff mm-hmm. that's okay, and then suddenly, either through like like you say, it'll be re- recommended videos or recommended tracks that come up from whatever mm-hmm. platform that you're using. That's tend to be how I found the more um, more interesting stuff. But yeah, like like you say, particularly band Bandcamp, you just you know type typing mm-hmm. in whatever genre on there. There's all sorts of um, weird and wonderfuls on there. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, there's, there, I was just going to say, there's a lot of online live shows going on, um, mm. and there's a lot more people making mixes. And so through live shows and, and those mixes, you can also find, you know, artists you haven't listened to before. And was that anything that you were involved in? Uh, did, did you do sort of along the, during the COVID train, as it were, that um, people sort of trying to throw stuff out there? Um, I, 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 I mixes or whatever. It might yeah, be. I, did a, I did a couple of mixes. One was for Disco Forever. Uh, that show and then I did one for Daydream Deluxe's uh, birthday one I've been quite busy with work and house purchase and moving house and yeah big life stuff and I've also I'm also releasing a game on Steam in like two weeks oh you I was developing my own game but yeah is that is that is that in addition to just your day job yeah that's in in addition so so I do programming for the video game studio 9 to 5 and then I did my own game in spare time as well so. sleep involved in there anywhere uh yeah occasionally excellent we um for the purpose of the recording vince has arrived and hello. So, hello how are you all right sorry sorry chaps i got caught in the worst traffic i've ever experienced um but that's another story i guess that is we were just um we'd started off chatting a little bit about the history of the project and then a bit more around kind of the scene now, how um, it compares to maybe 2014 when you and had uh, first started off and started discovering it, um, and then you uh, you popped in. Yeah, well, I rudely interrupted you. Absolutely <laughs> fine, no worries at all. I was going to actually, it's probably good timing actually, because I think um, you and you talked about um, as part of the history of it. You mentioned the the work that you guys did to get uh, to get the record out. Um, I think it was the. Back in the last year, in the in, in the December, I was kind of interested mm-hmm. between between the two of you as to how that came about. We we had a a good response from the album was originally on Business Casual, mm, and yeah. we had done some tapes and it had a good response. Um, but I don't know where you saw the album first. Vince? The same. I mean, I I follow Business Casual a lot. Shouts to John Zabil. Uh, it, it's an amazing label. They put stuff out every week, and it's such high quality, high standard. And I'd already heard your stuff, uh, obviously. And that album, I had it bookmarked from the second it came out. Uh, I don't think, I think the tape sold out before I got a chance to get one. But um, yeah, yeah, as soon as you said about putting it onto to wax, yeah, 100%. We jumped at the chance, to be fair. And we'd met you at the Groove Horizons event. Yeah, that was great. Many moves, many moons before that. But the process was quite tortured because it took so long. Yeah, it was, um, I, don't, I don't know how long it took from inception to, to pressing, but... Yeah, I guess a lot of these issues are everyone's talking about the Adele pressing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 500,000 records of a new album, which has caused the latest blockage, but things were already causing problems because of COVID. Uh, people were having to shut down for quite a period and there'd be reduced staff in pressing plants and stuff. And so waits had gone from maybe eight to 10 weeks when we possibly when we first started talking about it, suddenly waiting six months. And uh, yeah, if you do pre-orders, then that's a real problem for those labels because they're 
got a backlog of orders for for many many months and for us because we try and do things up front it means a lot of cash tied up and a lot of time saying sorry Ewan <laughs> it's not ready yet it's going to be ready soon this question is going to be slightly off topic but I'll ask it I think it's important is is there a view that given that well, I don't know how far in, in or out of this we are at the moment that things could improve in that in that sense the the the, the, the uh, pressing plants getting back to some kind of normality Funnily enough, I got an email from Jill uh, from Media Duplication, do a lot of tapes for Vaporwave labels and Synthwave labels. And she recommended this blog post, uh, actually more of a podcast that was on BBC, uh, BBC Sounds. And there's been a new uh, UK pressing plant that's been established as a reaction to this issue, primarily to work on small runs with, you know, minor labels and artists and stuff. So locally, yeah, that could be a real uh, game changer for us. But in generally speaking, there's not an immediate sign that weights are getting shorter. So, I don't know, it's just fingers crossed. It is what it is. Cool. Okay, thanks. Um, you and I was going to ask you whether you'd, um, in terms of, because I guess with the whole, um, you, you mentioned you've got some friendships with artists that are kind of out, out there mm-hmm. within the uh, future funk scene, vaporwave scene, doing what they do. Have you got many kind of, re- uh, does that extend to in real life or kind of your kind of family and in real life friends aware of what, what you do and how that kind of, um, how, that, how that plays out in terms of they're interested or what, what they think of your music? Yeah, I mean, generally we, we have a, uh, we kind of call it the UK gang which is uh, myself, Strawberry Station, Mr. Wax, uh, Conscious Thoughts. Um, F.exe is in Glasgow as well. Um, and, and there's others. Um, I, I think most of them live in London, in England. I'm moving back up now, which is a shame. But um, yeah, I've met them numerous times. Myself and Strawberry, we were with uh, the flamingo fellas for uh the recording yeah, it was quite recently wasn't it yeah. i don't know if i can mention that as something special yeah you can that, no, it's okay yeah no that's fine that's fine yeah but uh we've met up numerous times and it's always it's always it's always a great time it's always fantastic we can share stuff and yeah good i think it's important because you, you find so many that people are kind of well there's i don't want to use the phrase bedroom producers because i think it, it it minimizes what people do but i think the time that we're in now has expanded people's ability to kind of Although we've had restrictions, that people are meeting up more, kind of engaging with that kind of in, in real life element to it, so that online acquaintances are becoming becoming friends, particularly in sort of smaller, more niche, more niche scenes. It's good, for sure. Do you, do you know um, a good example of that was uh, Electronicon, 100% Electronica's first live event. Uh, my brother and I managed to get out there. Uh, to New York for the first one and it was mad just how many people it was a conversation that kept happening all day people talking about this is the Woodstock of Vaporwave and how all these people were people who had been good friends online for a long long time finally getting to meet in person uh, in real life and it was the same with that Groove Horizons uh, uh, event I know I'm dropping that one back in there again but I think it's important especially as you're talking about UK artists you guys recognise the demand same as 100% did and you kind of, as a collective, you pull together the first UK event um, and all the people that I met on that night as well were talking about how great it was to jump off the computer screen and meet people in real life and how much a part of the scene that's becoming. Hopefully, we'll get back to that. Uh, it's kind of the trajectory we were heading on before COVID. So that's segue heaven for me because Groove Horizon is going to be my next, um, my next question about how that ultimately came about. And... Um, ideas in terms of again bringing it to fruition how did that um get to yeah the so, so my it was really the brainchild of myself and 
uh, Strawberry Station, Jacob. Uh, we had seen online um, on the subreddits and we were also involved in Discord at the time of people um, ge- generally wanting a live show, but there was quite a few UK people. So we just kind of thought, screw it, let's go for it, let's make something happen. Um, we got a great amount of help. Shout out to Alexander Hall, who was in London. He works for a lighting company and he had set us up with, you know, he knew some people at venues and knew a bit more about the organization. Um, but with the UK gang, inverted corners that I mentioned, um, we managed to pull together some cash um, to do the show. It was kind of a bit scary because we didn't know if people would show up. Um, <laughs> but we they did. And there was people coming in on the day who had, who were also not part of, you know, the whole Vaporwave and uh, Future Trunk thing. And they came in and they said they enjoyed it, which was great. So uh, uh, the event was a success. And uh, yeah. Do you think you would have followed up with another event by now if it wasn't for the event? Call it? Yes. Um, we we had plans for Groove Horizons 2 uh, in 2020. Obviously, it didn't come to fruition. We would have liked to, uh, to have done it in 2021, but I think uh, as you know, it was still lingering quite heavily and we were all busy with things. That didn't happen. So I think we definitely would have followed up with something, but we're hoping to either do something in the future or just continue doing shows. I do think there's an element to, and I can only really speak for, for the UK, for anyone that's obviously listening elsewhere, I think that people are in quite different situations, but there is more of a confidence here around um, mm-hmm. getting out about and doing doing a little bit more. And I think Vince, I was saying um, beforehand, uh, with the postponement of um, the Future Sounds event, which was the right thing to do, I think it, the, the irony of it is that um, the, the restrictions are lesser now than they ever would have been before we even, you know, conceived of doing it in the first place. But it's still, I think, it allows people. 2022, I think, will settle. Hopefully, settles so that individuals feel nice and comfortable, artists yeah. feel comfortable. Yeah. Uh, you can get good crowds in, um, which ultimately is good. Like, like you say, is what what you want is will will people show? Yeah, I mean, we could have we could have done the event as planned. I think we did make the right call. You're right. It was a real. We, we wrestled long and hard over whether to postpone or not. But I think what, what we've also got a benefit of is that by the time we do the event on March the 26th, I keep getting the date confused, um, the weather will be a little bit milder and there's a bit of an outdoor space at this venue as well. So for people who are a bit more concerned and want to be able to nip outside and get some fresh air and sort of remove themselves from being indoors in, in large numbers, you know, it gives us that option, which we didn't necessarily have at the at the first venue. But it's all good, and we're looking forward to seeing uh, you play. You and you haven't played live for a while, have you? So, no, not since the Groove Horizons. Um, I've got a new fancy controller, and I've been going through, so I'm all I'm all set and rearing to go. But yeah, I'm very excited. <laughs> Excellent. That's what we want to hear. What I thought I'd do then is um, the MPF fan club and. Enzo, you'll have to tell me, is it pronounced just um, Club so, Mingo? Because yeah. it's spelling, which is Welsh. Yeah, I got asked if we'd done some vaporwave thing with the uh, uh, CLWB and then the two Fs. But actually, Club Club Flamingo. And if you do one F, it's only a V sound in Welsh. So it would be Club Flamingo if we didn't have the two Fs. So the double Fs makes it an F sound. It's not the same um, alphabet as... Uh, 
as our as our language. So, yeah, Club Flamingo. There you go. So that's explained for people, so they don't need to ask you again. Yeah, that's yeah. Thanks for that chance. Yeah, there you're right. Uh, yeah. So part. So in the run up to um, ourselves meeting today, is the um, a, a message was sent out for people that were in that in in the fan club to ask if they had any questions for you, Ewan. And there are six or seven in there um, that range in their um, interest and I guess you could say uh, subject matter. Um, so I'll go with some of the more music based ones, and then we'll Alrighty. lead into the ones that might be more dairy based. Let's put it that way. Uh, we'll go from there. So, good. the first question was from Drake31217. And hi, Drake. I hope you're listening because your question's coming. So, the question from Drake was What's your favorite sample that you've ever used? And then in brackets, they've written, and following on from that, how do you tend to seek out your source material? Are you a YouTube deep diver? So, actually, there's three questions there. Yeah, so. this is multiple questions. So, the f- favorite sample. I mean, I've, I've used a lot now. Um, I think I have to go with which was just the most fun, which was a sample of uh, the Hitler rap by Mel Brooks. <laughs> um, so I sampled that on Take It to the Top, which was on a self-titled. And um, go and listen to, for anyone listening, go and re- listen to the original because it's actually really good. <laughs> um but yeah, it's it's this uh, Nazi parody song from Mel Brooks, uh, and in the middle there's this kind of um, almost choir-like section. So just take that, loop it, make it into a house song. But it was just really, really fun to use, and I think uh, the kind of absurdity of sampling something like that was also part of the fun. Mm. I didn't expect you to say. Hitler or Nazis in the response. <laughs> no, but there's nuance. There's nuance in context. Yeah, I mean, I mean, on Splash, there's a sample from a Burger King advert as well, uh, which was also fun. But yeah, so the second part of that was second part of that was how yeah. do you tend to seek out the source material? Yes. Um, so YouTube deep diving is the main thing. Um, I have uh, my friend James. His artist name is Cujo. He's really great. He works with me for finding samples we trade stuff back and forth a lot we experiment quite a lot um he has a nice method of going through youtube stuff which kind of exploits the algorithm so you have to make a fresh account so that you don't get any you know personal recommendations or whatever and then if you just kind of click through channels of the most obscure recommended so you get a recommended video you click on it as obscure as you can get you go to their channel and then you pick you sort their uploads and then pick like the most obscure of those. And if you just keep doing that, the algorithm leads you down to to videos of random obscure 80s funk which have like 70 views. Mm-hmm. So you can sometimes find really obscure, really good stuff. A- apart from that, I have had a couple of visits to record shops. Shout out to Lafreak Records in Dundee. They have a great shop. Uh, they stocked some of my self-titled, which was great. Um, so I have gone to record shops occasionally, but it is just faster to go through stuff digitally. Are you, um, if you don't mind me jumping in there, are you sampling from, have you, have you sampled from vinyls direct? Um, I think there was one which I did, but I cannot remember which one. So apologies for that. I think it was on, it might've been on the K hits 97 thing I did, but I can't remember. 
So I've done, I've done it once or twice. Very quick clarification, if I may. Um, the first part of the question was Drake 31217. I'm going to take credit for the second part. <laughs> I don't want to impose the, the brackets and the follow-up question to him. He may not have been going down that road, but I, I was um, adding that as notes. It's my, my poor ah, research. My poor comms, mine. So. That's okay. You didn't warn me, Steph, but it's out there now. Yes. And, we're not and so, gonna... is, so is Ewan's... Um, you secret recipe for finding samples which I'm yeah there you go you, you, you guys can use that and, and yeah take all the good ones now. it, it does make sense otherwise i'd end up with all sorts of particularly if you were kind of just like you say using existing algorithms half of mine would be for ramen recipes and things like mm. that so i mean i mean when i when i do sample things like i often just check who sample.com just to make sure it's not being used in any big thing because i would see the weekend recently sampled some city pop songs so yeah. i always just want to make sure of that the um, I think some of the city pop scene have done what some of the synthwave scene did when he was doing similar sorts of things. They're up in arms about how how awful and terrible it is. When ironically, it's you know exposing that it's exposing yeah. that music to a much wider audience. So I think I'm all for that. I definitely think you're right on the on the city pop uh, side of things. That sample because I think that the source material for that is so clear that people may well seek out City Pop records. I think the beef that people had with The weekend's heavily synth-based track is that he's not name-checked or referenced it. So actually, in some respects, people just think, oh, wow, look at this track by The weekend. Doesn't this sound amazing in French? When, uh, fresh, sorry. Uh, when people have been doing it for a decade. And uh, there's not necessarily going to help people find more music like it. But I think with the City Pop sample, for sure, loads of people have been talking about what it comes from. And it probably has opened a lot more eyes onto that style of music, which has sort of been bubbling around on YouTube algorithms for the last few years. Absolutely. Fab. Um, thanks for that, Drake. That was... Um, that was good, good questions. Good. They were good questions, even though... Um, Obviously, you read them in such a way that it was Vince's impact on how I read them. <laughs> um, second question was from Vinyl Collector. And Vinyl Collector asked, outside of Future Funk Production, do you have any other projects and do you have any formal music education or skill with instruments? Mm -hmm. So in terms of other projects, I've done some kind of hip-hop slash chill-hop things in the past. Mm -hmm. Um most successful one was uh, Dream Plaza, which had a good response. So I did some tapes with Correspect. Um, I do often do... Uh, I have a couple of hip-hop, chill-hop songs stored away, which I might release at some point. They don't really fit with the main kind of disco house, future funk stuff that I do. Um, K-Hits 97 was an attempt at a bigger kind of project with hip-hop or uh chill hop whichever but um i might release something like uh my friend pop-up actually did uh a kind of hip-hop collection it's called called songs for distance but i might do something similar to that soon and then there was a second part to that which was the second part to that which was um it was about, mu about musical education in terms of a yes. formal sort of um, um so the short the short answer is no um I used to have piano lessons when I was like nine, which I did for a couple of years and I like hated them. Uh, and I also did, I did, we had music at high school, but it wasn't so much music. It was like everyone get on your Casio keyboards and play Stand By Me for like the 20th time. <laughs> um, so essentially, no, I have a MIDI keyboard and a bass guitar, which I can kind of riff on and I use them to 
if I'm working on a baseline, I can just it's a lot more it's a lot easier to just make to play the baseline rather than draw the notes in FL. So I can just riff with that and work it out. Mm. Um, so I, I don't I don't play anything in inverted commas, but I do use keyboard and bass guitar for for production. All right, thank you very much indeed. Um, so this one you may have partly answered before but i'll throw it out there just in case there's anything that you want to add to it so vapor gaze asks um how did you discover future funk and is there an artist or a group of artists that inspired you to go into production and you mentioned a couple of names earlier on from 2014 yeah so again the focal point was artsy music i think a lot of people around then found it through artsy music i basically just got a recommendation of an anime gif on my box one day and i was like oh i'll just what is that? That's quite cool. I think, as I remember, the song was a really lazy flip of a delegation sample. Uh, but I can't remember the artist, which is, but it's quite ironic. But that's how, that's how I discovered it. Um, but uh, artists starting out, obviously Daft Punk is a huge inspiration to kind of most people, so I don't need to mention them. But um, artists like... Um, one, uh, I'm trying to think. Phantom's Revenge. I, I really liked his uh, quite hard hitting disco house slash French house. Um, Sim Gratina slash uh, he has a French house alias called Frensu. Um, not a lot of people mention him, but he was very influential on me, and he sampled a lot of stuff before everyone else that I've noticed. They've kind of sampled now um and also louis laroche his stuff is less sampled and more original now but um he had previously released the pgp which was mistaken online to be thomas bangalter's work um and he kind of blew up because of that and he also did an ep called me and her which is really fantastic if no one's listened to that so i'd say those three really phantom's revenge louis laroche and sim gratina are the three the three big ones. Excellent. I, I won't. I won't. I won't lie. I don't think I've heard any of those, so I think I'll have to Google. We li- we can link them in the description. I think because quite a few people might fancy taking a little track back and checking them out. So um, yeah, we'll try and um, get links in the description for people. Um, all right. So we're down to the last three. Um, Jack D, who uh, is uh, well. It's Jack Dyson from Space Jams. Um, I think that's Jack. Is that? I assume that's Jack Dyson from Space Jams, right? It, it, is. it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm getting a nod. Um, again, we we touched upon this earlier on, and I think I probably know your answer to this. But Jack asked, "Do you feel there's a potential for Future Funk to get a growing live scene in the UK?" So I can envisage that your answer will be on this one. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the trajectory is there. I think the question is just how high the trajectory goes, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly on the night in Groove Horizons, we did have. Not a huge amount of people, but we did have some people who saw the pink aesthetic lights and were quite curious and came in and had a good time. Um, so I think if people are open to it, then it's certainly a possibility. All right. And then we have, here we go, Young Clean. Um, so this is a, he's put a bit of, a, he or she's put a scenario out here. So you're in your studio putting first touches to a track. What comes first? And how far do you go with the idea before discarding it and moving on to something new? That's the first part of the question. So I'll let you answer okay. that first. First part of the question. Um, usually with the sample, um, I get it in. I listen to the bits I want to use quite closely. 
I isolate them and, and just play around with those, whether it be chopping them up, moving them about, pit stretching, putting them with other things I've got. Um, so really, I focus on the sample first. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, uh, the drums really are the next is the next bit that decide what comes later, whether it's just four on the floor or it's more kind of hip hop or something more complex. So I put the drums on top of that. And then if it's working well there, then I kind of go on and either add a bass line if it needs it or a synth line and just do the structure of the song generally and work out what I want to do with this song. What is this song going to be? Um, really, one, once I add drums to the sample and if I try a lot of things with chops with the sample and moving it around it, if I can't find a structure, um, I, I wouldn't say I'd discard them. I kind of zip them up and put them in a rejects pile um, so that if I come back to it later, I might think of something else. But usually it's at the point where I've messed with the sample, I've done some drums, it's not really working. Let's just bank that and move on. So that does. It sounds like he's answered part two already in a way. You may have done part part two was, is your hard drive littered with unfinished demos like mine? Um, Or are they pretty sure, or are you pretty sure for the moment you find a sample that's going to work? Um, I I don't think there's there's very few times where you find a sample and you know it's going to work. There's only been like one or two times where that's happened. I mentioned Take It to the Top. That was one sample, which as soon as you loop it, you ju- it's got that je ne sais quoi that you know is just going to work. But it's, it's quite rare that that happens. A lot of the time I have to mess with it, as I said, structure, chop it to see if it would work. I have a lot of... Um, I'm working on the next album at the moment. I have a lot of discarded and unused stuff. So I, I would say it's littered, but my hard drive is very big. So that's not an issue. <laughs> kind of inevitable follow-up because I guess... Whenever you talk to Vaporwave or, or Future Funk artists, the this, this subject of sampling is going to come up a lot. And you've referred to it quite a few times, like your process and stuff. But from more of an industry point of view, do you think, and we, we did talk about this when we filmed you uh, and Jacob's Strawberry Station for Nobody mm-hmm. Here. Do you think that copyright and sampling is a bigger issue now than it was? Um, kind of how do you think you get around that? Because one of the ways of getting around it, obviously, is to go with the professional route, like Young Bay has, signed to Sony or a, or a by-label, a sub-label of Sony, and given free reign, effectively, to use whatever's in their back catalogue. But for most of us, we don't really have an easy way to clear samples. I mean, do you have any thoughts about mm-hmm. that issue and where the scene might go because of it? Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, I, I, there's artists like Sam Pepsi getting signed. I saw Vantage, uh, his song 50-50 blew up and he got that signed. Um, so I think even though it's becoming more of an inverted commas problem for artists who get bigger, I think, weirdly enough, the bigger labels have looked at it and said, we will be forgiving simply because we can make so much money off of it. <laughs> if they see the money, they are, they are kind of willing to forgive. So... Um, I, th- I think as long as the large labels remain open to officially signing and encouraging the music as opposed to suing and discouraging the music, then I think that's a, that's a positive sign. Do you, do you think we are reaching kind of uh, a crossroads 
with that? I mean, it, for example, just post one uh, apocalyptic scenario, Bandcamp changes its um, mm -hmm. process and starts to use algorithms to shut down sample-based music that's not cleared. I mean, what happens to the music if that happens? Yeah, that's a tricky one. I certainly think that would be a bad scenario. Um, but I also think in response to that, I'm pretty sure someone would then make a another site. <laughs> There's always going to be another site. So um, I, I think that would be detrimental for sure. And I think uh, a lot of stuff would be lost. Um, but as long as people keep their archives, um, then it wouldn't be too bad. But really, we just have to see how it goes. That happens. Hopefully it doesn't. But Yeah, yeah fingers crossed it doesn't. Otherwise, we're all going to be a little bit, a little bit more sad. Save your, save your files, guys. Archive, save your project files. Because I lost some stuff. So, PSA. Oh. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the last one is from uh, last question from Glenn Jones. So, this is um, slightly different, but uh, he asks, What's your favorite cheese and how do you like it served? Um, so, I'm not a big cheese person. Um, soft cheeses like brie are, are really just disgusting to me. Um, just, just. Not going to sugarcoat it. They're disgusting to me. Any any cheese like Stilton, again, just disgusts me. I'm just like, give me a mature cheddar on like an oat cake, and, and that's that, that's me. I'm a very kind of plain cheese person. No, no cheese table at future. That the future sounds big. Then, I mean, you can have a cheese table as long as there is just some nice mature cheddar or something, or or a red Leicester. Is that your rider? Is it as simple as that? <laughs> <laughs> A couple of beers and some mature cheddar and oat cakes. Yeah, probably. That sounds good. Very wholesome, actually. I got one more, one more silly question. Mm -hmm. When we were warming up, trying to get, because um, obviously when you're setting up to film, you've got a there's a lot of dead time to fill while you're getting all the angles right. And um, the director of Nobody Here pitted, and this might never come to light, so that's why I'm putting the question to. He he pitted you uh, and and Jacob against each other, strawberries and melons. Which oh. one's better and why? Tell us. Rehash that debate. Why is melon better than strawberry? We'll ask uh, Jacob to fight back in a future episode. I mean, I'll, I'll say this on the podcast simply to be transparent. I don't actually like melon that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's all right. It's a decent fruit. Um, but really, I just prefer star fruit. Star fruit is really tasty, but you can't get it in the UK. Mm. I've only had it a few times. Um, I'd say I do prefer watermelon to strawberries simply because... Um, the seeds on strawberries can be quite annoying if they're too large, but you know, they're both nice. Is that so. podcast title right there? <laughs> Melonade in Don't Like Melon, shocker. <laughs> I will have Exposed. To I'll have to be the one. Um, but thank you to um, the guys at the MPF fan club for throwing out the questions because thank I think you. they were they were definitely interesting. And um, if you have any more foods, fruit, cheese, drink, or related questions, send them to youand.mountson at btinternet.com. There you go, definitely. So yeah, <laughs> and don't don't be shy in terms of that. It doesn't have to be fruit. Doesn't have to be cheese. It can be um, meat based, whatever whatever you want. But or a combination of them all. Indeed, definitely. Um, Fab. Thank you. I think the main thing for me was just it was great to uh, it was great to meet you. Uh, looking forward to uh, sure. yeah, to I'm, catching I'm very you at the event as well. Yeah, it's going to be really good. So good, but also you know, good luck with the move because that's that's not a um, 
It's not a close move. It's uh, it's not like you just yeah, moved up yeah, the street. Yeah, it's, it's quite a long way. So hopefully it goes well. Excellent. And was there anything in terms of um, throwing out any uh, any links, be it Bandcamp or uh, any kind of platforms that pe- where, pe- where people can find your stuff? Uh, yeah, I mean, the main two places are my SoundCloud and my Spotify, so it's SoundCloud slash Melon hyphen aid. And uh, if you just search for Melon aid on Spotify, I'm there as well. Uh, I'm working on the next album, but progress is slow because I'm busy. So please wait for it. But uh, uh, huge shout out to everyone who bought the vinyl as well because that sold out insanely fast and that was a great response. So thank you everyone for that. Um, and there may be some signed copies to come, but I don't know That's what right. we're doing with those. So yeah, <laughs> all in all in good time. But there's I've we we pro- we did all the orders and there's a, a handful of each variant which we're about to put live. So by the time this podcast goes live. Um, there'll be a couple of copies left of, of both variants. So mypetflamingo.com, uh, check out Splash if you haven't listened to it. Yeah, it's an amazing album. Excellent. And of course, to catch uh, Ewan playing live, that's the 26th of uh, 26th of March 2022 in London at the Post Bar for uh, Future Sounds New Dimension. And you can get tickets at future, it's hyphen sound, sounds, Dot isn't co. it? Dot co. Yeah. Co. UK. Um, come and join us because uh, it'll be a new venue, slightly bigger, and um, we're going to it's gonna be a merch table, I assume. People can that buy stuff. Be. Amazing. Sure, for sure. Definitely. Um, gentlemen, thank you. And I'm sure we'll catch you soon. Thank you. See you on the other side. Cheers, guys.
There you go. That was our interview with Melanade. And of course, the uh, the mix that he was kind enough to send over to us. Hope everyone enjoyed it. I know I certainly did. And again, as I say before, big thank you to Ewan for um, taking the time to have a bit of a chat with us whilst he was in the middle of the stress of, uh, of moving house. But um, it was good to catch up. And of course, certainly good. We're looking forward to uh, meeting him in a couple of months. And it was also good to get questions in from from uh, fan club members because it helps us to you know make sure that people are happy. You know, we're asking the right questions, I guess. And there were some revelations in there for sure. The one that really um, kind of intrigued me—I know I said it at the time—but it's this way of cheating the algorithm on YouTube because if you don't create a burner account, you're just going to be refed the same stuff you watch. So in, that, in my case, that's going to be a lot of vaporwave, a lot of synthwave, and a lot of Tottenham Hotspur videos. Like I get a lot of that kind of that's going to be pushed back at me constantly, and you know if you if you start searching plastic love, you're going to get a load of city pop that comes your way. Mm. And he was saying if you're looking for a specific type of sound, create a burner account, start afresh, and that's the way you cheat kind of in the short term the algorithm, which was mad. I'd never really thought of that. Just it just means you've got to try and remember all your logins. Although I suppose or creating loads of different email accounts, but it's clearly worth it in the end to get. Particularly when he, when he was talking about how he'd found these old kind of um, R and B tracks. I, I think he said R and B tracks, but had like sort of fifteen views yeah, on them. So these yeah. quite random ones that people wouldn't have sampled before, which I think is quite important to him. For sure, for sure. Tom, what about you? I mean, you're not um, a huge. You don't listen to a huge amount of Future Funk, do you? I'm not a Future Funk guy as such, but you know, I am. A vaporwave artist and the parallels are huge but i think even even more than that you know i i really the music i listen to in the main is old disco stuff and early house records and you know there's clearly um a large amount of uh, crossover with future funk um i get the impression from from the interview and the mix and melanade's own music that you know his interests lie in a, in a similar place as well and um you know um just you know from listening to this music it's clear that he's an excellent technician um he's got like an amazing technique of sample hunting which is an art in itself um yeah definitely going to steal this this burner account technique and um yeah just um really enjoyed getting to know a little bit more about music that i don't know a huge amount about yeah yeah so a lot of that was how i felt about it as well and he's, he's an interesting character as well he was lovely to meet in person when we did the uh, filming with him and jacob strawberry station um and you know they're they're both important characters in pushing the UK side of things. Obviously a, a handful or a collection of UK artists that are doing big things like Eve.axi and, and uh, you know, Meltnet, others like that, who are really pushing the scene and it's good to have him on board for Future Sounds. So we're going to plug that again. Tickets are available March the 26th at the Post Bar in Tottenham. Absolutely. Future sound, future-sounds.co.uk. Go and um, grab yourself a ticket. We've got a, it's a great mix of synthwave and vaporwave artists. So even if there's a few um, artists there you might not have heard of before, come on down. It'll be an exploratory experience as well as a as well as a fun night. What have you guys got planned for the rest of the evening? I'm going to put my feet up and uh, watch a bit of TV and have a beer. I'm going to edit some podcasts. I think. It's Premier League deadline day, isn't it? So yeah, it's Spurs, frantic Spurs activity. Can sign anyone else. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's my evening plan. What about you, Martin? Um, I might watch a movie. I might see... On a Monday evening. Yeah, we like. I watch quite a lot of movies, but I've finished Ozark now, so I need something else in life to, to fill the void. Um, no spoilers, so yeah. but is the, is the latest series any good? 
it it's um it start yes uh, in in one in one non spoiler word yes and as usual with those arc you the, the the last episode before the cliffhangers have you with your mouth your jaw wide open and then they make you wait a few more months again so I enjoyed it I'm sure others would as, as well as as I as, as an Ozark fan I I really enjoyed it yeah. I started watching um, with Poppy in the morning. When I take her down, normally about seven in the morning, I stick on the iPad and I've, I've just blitzed through uh, Parks and Recreation, The American Office, a few other series like that. And I've just started uh, the new series of Cobra Kai, which I'm really enjoying. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. It's the, like um, nostalgic, childish fun, but it's great. I love it. And the, the, the soundtrack for that has definitely been cranked up a notch. The, the, the score this season for that has definitely been cranked up a notch or more on that. It's, um, it's a good show. It's really enjoyable. Did you notice? I love the fact they dropped in um, that track from Bill and Ted. Two heads are better than one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that tune. That's like that's like my childhood, like in a soundtrack. I absolutely love it. I had a um, uh, this is a bit of a, a bit of a shameless plug here. I did a um, there's there's a Fakeman interview on Pearson.com with um, one of the one of the guys that does the score for um, for Cobra Kai. Zach Robinson, who's also known as he's a synthwave artist, DAD as well. So people should go and check that out if they want to hear more. But it's kind of a year old now, but you know, still worth its time. Well, let's, we can put a few links. There were a few tracks and references, obviously that uh, Melanade gave in his his interview, and we've we've kind of recommended a few tracks in the first part of the show. So let's we'll, we can drop a few links. We'll in chuck the, that in there as well. All right, that sounds good to me. Give your give your website a bit of a bump. Let's do that. Anything more from you, Tom, or should we sign off till the next time? I need to get cracking with my uh, vegan chili. Oh, that's nice. I had a nasi goreng this evening, which is vegan as well. No, it's not vegan if it's got egg. No, vegan. Everything else, everything else was... Uh, two yeah, two G's and you're good. Vegan, yeah. There we go. There we go. Cool. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks, gents. See ya.